Read the Bible every day so you'll be full of faith. Welcome you to join Bible Links to read the entire Bible in two years. I believe God will bless you, He will lift you up, and your life will never be the same. Book of Numbers, Chapter 5 The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge, and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. You shall put out the both male and female, putting them outside the camp, that they may not defile their camp, in the midst of which I dwell. And the people of Israel did so, and put them outside the camp. As the Lord said to Moses, so the people of Israel said, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, when a man or a woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord, and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess his sin and that he has committed, and he shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it, and, and, and giving it to him to whom he did the wrong. But if the man has no mix of kin, to whom the restitution may be made for the wrong, the restitution for the wrong shall go to the Lord for the priest. In addition to the ram of the atonement, with which atonement is made for him, and every contributions, all the holy donations of the people of Israel, which they bring to the priests, shall be his. Each one shall keep his holy donations. Whatever anyone gives the priest shall be this. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. If any man's wife goes astray and breaks faith with him, if a man lies with her sexually, and it is hidden from the eyes of her husband, and she is undetected, Though she has defiled herself, and there is no witness against her, since she was not taken in the act. And if the spirit of jealousy comes over him, and he is jealous of his wife, who has defiled herself, or if the spirit of jealousy comes over him, and he is jealous of his wife, though she has not defiled herself, then the men shall bring his wife to the priest, and bring the offering required of her. A tenth of an infant of barley flour, he shall pour no oil on it, and put no frankincense on it, for it is the grain offering of jealousy, a grain offering of remembrance bringing inequity to remembrance. And the priest shall bring her near, and set her before the Lord. And the priest shall take holy water in an earthenware vessel, and take some of the dust that is on the floor of the tabernacle, and put it into the water. And for the priest shall set the woman before the Lord, and unbind the hair of the woman's head, and place in her hands a grain of offering of remembrance, which is the grain offering of jealousy. And in his hand and the priest shall have the water of bitterness that brings the curse. Then the priest shall make her take an oath, saying, If no man has laid with you, and if you have not turned aside to uncleanness while you were under your husband's authority, be free from this water of bitterness that brings the curse. But if you have gone astray, Though you are under your husband's authority, and if you have defiled yourself, and some man other than your husband has laid with, lain with you, then the Lord makes you a curse in an oath that amongst your people, when the Lord makes your thigh fall away and your body swell. May this water that brings the curse pass into your bowels, and make your wounds swelled and your thigh fall away. And the woman shall say, Amen, Amen. Then the priest shall Write these curses in a book and wash them off into the water of bitterness. And he shall make the woman drink the water of bitterness that brings the curse. 
and the water that brings the curse shall enter into and cause bitter pain. And the priest shall take the grain offering of jealousy out of the woman's hand, and shall wave the grain offering before the Lord, and bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take a handful of the grain offering as his memorial portion, and burn it on the altar, and afterwards shall make the woman drink the water. And when he has made her drinks the water, then if she has defiled herself and has broken faith with her husband, the water that brings the curse shall enter into her and cause bitter pain. If her wound shall swell and her thigh shall fall away, and the woman shall become a curse among her people. But if the woman has not defiled herself and is clean, then she shall be free and shall conceive children. This is the law in cases of jealousy, when the wife, though under her husband's authority, goes astray and defiles herself, or when the spirit of jealousy comes over a man and he is jealous of his wife. Then he shall set the woman before the Lord, and the priest shall carry out for her in all his law. The men shall free from the equity, but the woman shall bear her iniquity. Numbers chapter 6. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, and saying to them, When either a man or a woman makes a special vow, the vow of Nazarite, to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from the wine and the strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar made from the wine or strong drinks that shall not drink any juice or grapes or eat grapes, fresh or dry. All the days of his separation he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grape wine, grapevine, and not even the seeds or the skins. All the days of his vows of separation, no razor shall touch his head until the time is completed for which he separate himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. He shall let the locks of the of hair of his head grow long. All the days that he separates himself and the Lord shall not go near a dead body. Even for his father or for his mother, for brother or sister, if they die, shall he make himself unclean because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation he is holy to the Lord. And if any man dies very suddenly besides him and he defiles his consecrated head, he shall shave his head on the day of his cleansing. On the seventh day he shall shave it. On the eighth day he shall bring two turtle doves or two pigeons to the priest to the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall offer one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering and make atonement for him. Because he sinned by the reason of, a, of the dead body and he shall consecrate his head that same day and separate himself to the Lord for the days of his separation and bring a male lamb a year old for a guilt offering. But the previous period shall be void, because his separation was defiled. And this is the law for the Nazarites. When the time of his separation has been completed, he shall be brought to the entrance of the tent of the meeting, and he shall bring his gift to the Lord, one male lamb a year old without blemish, or for a burnt offering, and one old lamb in a year old without blemish as a sin offering, and one rammed without blemish as a peace offering, in a basket of unleavened bread, loaves of the fine flour mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers, and smear with oil in their grain offerings, in their drinks offerings. And the priest shall bring them before the Lord and offer his sin offering, and his burnt offering, and shall offer the ram as a sacrifice of the peace offering, and to the Lord with a basket of unleavened bread, and the priest shall offer it, also its grain offering, and its drink offerings. And the Nazarite shall shave his consecrated head at the entrance of the tent, 
meeting and shall take the hair from his consecrated head and put it on the fire that's under the sacrifice of the peace offering. And the priest shall take the shoulder of the ram, and it is boiled in one unleavened loaf of the basket in one unleavened wafer, and shall put him on the hands of the Nazarite. After he has shaved the hair of his consecration, and the priest shall wave it, and for a wave offering before the Lord, and they are holy portion for the priest, together with the breast that is waved in the thigh that is contributed, and after that the Nazarite may drink wine. This is the law of the Nazarites, but if he vows an offering to the Lord above his Nazarite vows, as he can afford in exact accordance with the vow that he takes, then he shall do in addition to the law of Nazarite. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying that you shall bless the people of Israel, that you shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord makes your face to shine up on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. The following is the English translation of Pastor Molenwu's teaching on the book of Numbers, chapter 5 and 6, translated by David. Read the Bible every day so you'll be full of faith. Let's take a look at the chapters 5 and 6 of Numbers. In the past couple of days, we've been reading chapters 1 and 2, which deal with the numberings of Israelites. They must be counted according to their son's portion and their claim's portion. Those aged 20 and above are eligible for battle. Chapters 3 and 4 deal with the counting of the Levites. They must be over one month old and be dedicated to the call of life. Chapter 4 discusses those truly within the tabernacle. They must be mature individual aged between 30 and 50. Among the Levites, a few individuals are selected to carry the entire tabernacle. Their water positions and the tasks each one must perform are all based on their names. So, as we are about to set out from chapter 5 to 8, before departure, God wants to cleanse them once again. Chapter 5 discusses the purification of three relationships. The relationship between the tabernacle and the general assembly relationship between individuals and the relationship between husband and wife, which is the closest relationship. The entire sixth chapter discussed the closest relationship with God. So let's examine chapter 5 to see how in our lives we embark on this journey of life. Today, I am walking this road, following Jesus Christ. It is the path of the cross, filled with grace and blessings. It's a path of dying to self. But God also reminds us to prepare step by step in our interpersonal relationship before setting out. So today, you can pray. Lord, help me to value these three relationships. Let these relationships make my life before you clean and pure. Even as I walk this path of life without any hindrance or refusal, without any obstacles or breaches. The first verse to the fourth verse commands the Israelites to send out all those with leprosy, those with discharge, and those who make themselves unclean outside of the camp, both men and women to avoid defiling their camp or recovery sites. The first relationship that needs to be purified is their relationship with the camp where God dwells, indicating God's dwelling within the entire community. The second relationships likely refer to the relationship within the body of Christ. The relationship between churches, 
in a relationship between brothers and sisters. This is where God dwells. It is also where I can live before God. The first reminder is about leprosy. What is leprosy? Leprosy is an outward manifestation of sin that originated from within. We've discussed this before. It could be rebellion, jealousy, bitterness within me that leads to the opening and gaps in my life. That is what leprosy refers to. The second refers to discharge. Now, we've even talked before about how discharge signifies a continuous flow of life. My words, my thoughts, emotions, and even some of my values. My attachment to the world and my resistance to God's blessings and grace caused a constant gap and leakage in my life. I can hear God's voice well, and I don't understand his guidance properly. The third is touching a dead body, which refers to what? Touching death. When I come into contact with someone who complains, criticizes, or judges, it is, it is as I am criticizing too, or being corrupted by these negative attitudes. It's like I'm agreeing with them, thinking what they say, it makes sense. Mixing with the world, learning worldly wisdom. I've gone into my own thoughts leading to doubts about God, doubts about his worshiping, about I can't worship him properly. Others talk, complain, and I think, oh, it seems like the church is really like this. I don't want to serve anymore. I start doubting church leaders, especially when you see some well-known people on YouTube questions the church. The more you listen to them, the more doubts that you have about church leaders, about a message from the pulpit, about the words of the Bible. Is it true? Is it really like this? Does my leader have these flaws? Is he not a good person? These doubts arise within us. I'm saying, I'm not saying Christians shouldn't have discernment. A person who has Holy Spirit living within them, who lives facing God every day, will find that leprosy can be cleansed. Leprosy is contagious, but it can be cleansed. You're cleansed inside and out. You're set free. My life won't keep leaking. My idle words, my impure languages, my eyes, my pride, my disobedience, my lack of forgiveness, these will leak my life. When I come into the contact with dead bodies, I become unclean. I touch death. I lose the power within me. I can produce joy. I start doubting the church. These three things occur within the body of Christ, within the church where I live my life. You need to know that God dwells among us. These issues of impurity, these kinds of people, God says that they should be sent inside of the camp to avoid defiling their camp. This camp is where I recite. Today, it seems unlikely for us to do this. There are many people in the church who gossip and criticize. Even within ourselves, gossip, love for the world, pride, lack of forgiveness, rebellions within, within me. I just don't obey. I don't forgive. That's there. If we were to say today that these people should be sent outside the camp, I don't know how many people would be left in the church. So today, we'll be grateful. Today, Christ's assurance is cleansing us. Today, Christ is, Christ is bringing us as continually into the body of Christ. The first thing you can really pray is, Lord, completely suppress the leprosy within me. Release the bitterness within me. Release all the pain within me accumulated over the years. Release my lack of forgiveness towards others, my hatred towards others, my bias towards others, my pride within me, my rebellion within me. Lord, forgive me. 
cleanse me, Lord. Seal the breaches in my life. I've been le- I've been leaking life continuously. The gift that you have given me, the grace that you have given me, the blessing that you have given me, even the prophecy that you have given me over the years, I haven't participated in serving all this time, so many years. I have not devoted myself to the work of the gospel. In all those years, I have borne any fruit. I have not bear any fruit of life in these years. The fruit of the gospel. Lord, have mercy on me. Let my life stop leaking. Let my life stop leaking like this. Today, it seems like I can't worship you properly. I can't dance before you. I can't speak up. I can't pray. I can't even participate in serving. I seem to be stuck here. I don't even want to go to church gatherings. I don't even want to go to Sunday services. I don't even want to participate in online gatherings. I can browse my phone while listening. Lord, I've truly lost my longing for you. These are the signs of death. May God give us truly, truly, and drive out these sins outside of the camp. And have mercy on me. Let me have a part in your body. Let me have a share in your life supply. Lord, may I, my qualification always remains attached to the vine and not attached to you, Lord, and always connected to you. So you'll understand why God, before setting out, mentions these three types of people to be sent out because they are contagious. Death is contagious. Leprosy is also contagious. The leakage of life is contagious. By removing all these, your life can begin to break through and grow. This is a very important prayer that everyone embarking on the journey of life must make. So from the fifth verse to the tenth verse, it tells us that the second relationship that needs cleansing is our interpersonal relationships, restoring relationship with others, especially as you see in the sixth and in verse six, whether male or female, if they commit any of the sins that people commit regularly in what is regularly committing sins means? It means that I've wronged someone, I owe someone, and I accidentally hurt someone. My words have offended someone. Perhaps I didn't explain some of my actions, leading to misunderstandings. Perhaps concerning some money, some time, my promises to others not fulfilled, or even in serving. My, in- my insistence causing friction with others, causing discomfort, causing a sense of uneasiness it's not a big deal but just feel uncomfortable there's nothing serious but i just feel bad dear family if sometimes during worship during prayer as you wait upon the lord he suddenly reminds you of these things remember what we talk about in leviticus when you recall it you remember our indebtedness to others section 5 to 10 the verses there is five and ten mentioned here that we must repay as old, plus a fifth. If not, we should be given to the pray, the priest. So sometimes the debts that we owe to others, when remembered, may date back fifty years. So when we, when you're young, you may have offended teachers, parents, colleagues. When you were young, perhaps in the past churches, in the past companies, that I may have hurt others, and maybe back then immaturity. Unable to find, you're unable to find these people and not knowing where they are now. Then you know you need to go before God. For this matter, our indebtedness to pray 
into competency. You can do it through eating, through offering, even through genuine repentance before God. You can even, if possible, write a letter, send a text, or make a phone call, sincerely apologize. Then God will enable us in this body of Christ so that our consciences no longer feel indebted. Our conscience has no breach. And this is not just a matter of warfare. But when you drafted at, uh, when drafted at 20, the, a group of standing individuals, when they reach full, full moon, they must start to serve. So from 30 to 50, the best essence should be devoted to God. According to the one's position, chapter 5 deals with some deep matters in our hearts, possibly memories of the past and background of the growth. All these affect how we go into battle. Our conscience also has indebtedness. Our conscience also has breaches. Authority is lost once accused by Satan, the evil one. Your self-accusation, shame, insecurity, inferiority, and will ferment within you. Your words will become bitter, filled with shame, unable to convey unanabalance, your service will be sloppy entirely. And this is the trickery of Satan, the evil one. So God knows, before setting out, cleansing is needed, a deep cleansing and healing within. So today, you also want to pray that, Lord, help me in your light. If I have truly owed others for so many years, or whenever I think of this matter, my heart aches, I can't bring myself to say it. I don't want anyone to know about it. Though maybe not even your closest spouse, child. Maybe it's a secret hidden in your life. Today, God comes to heal and heal the part of your conscience that feel indebted. To restore it, to restore it truly by compensation as prescribed. Even a fifth, it's truly a prayer before God, repentance before the Lord, eating before God, or a genuine offering before the Lord, dedicating your heart to Him, and God will come to heal you. This is something that a person must not miss before uh, embarking on the journey of life. My conscience has no indebtedness. And only to taste love once, only to experience indebtedness once. Lord, help me. How can I love more? But my conscience is not accused. From the 11th verse onwards until the 31st verse, he talks about whether a husband suspects his wife of infidelity. There's a doubt. There is a shortcut to the deepest intimacy in marriage between spouses, siblings, and even parents and children, sometimes inside us over many years. They've been some hurt, some injuries, some misunderstanding, some frictions, which we ignore. So doubt arises, pain arises. So you see in the 14th verse, what her husband gives, what her husband and gives birth to is a heart of resentment. It's a very intimate relationship. There can be resentment, meaning that I no longer trust this person. I do not fully open myself and you trust myself to the other half. Sometimes we really think if my other half really takes charge of this family, we're finished. Sometimes we really think if our family hands over our money, our economic power to our other half, our family's money is gone. Sometimes we say, if I didn't manage this home well, I don't even know what happened to our children. You really are full of distrust and towards others, not a half. So although 
the 11th verse seems to talk about suspecting my life of infidelity. God is doing something. He wants to bring completion and restorations and healing to all that, all resentments, all distrust, and in the deepest intimacy between you two, so that there's no doubt that it can bring forth life. Because of this, this 16 and the 20, the verse 22, in the whole process of this test, if one party is pure, and the persons will indeed be punished, will be penalized. But if there are no such adultery, you will find that the women will start to conceive the children. In the so in verse twenty-eight, if a woman is not defiled but is clean, that she shall be free from this disaster and will conceive children. So you see, what God truly wants to do is to restore the ability to bring forth life in the relationship between husband and wife, to feed and provide for life. When there is no longer trust between the two, when there is resentment, we cannot produce life, but instead bring divisions. So you see, if the other party has truly committed a crime, look carefully. In, the, in verse 29, it, it states, you say, talked about if the wife commits adultery behind her husband's back. And in the verse 30th and 31st verses, it addressed that the man has no guilt, but the woman must bear her own sin. And this is not just about women. It may also be about brothers. So today, there are many brothers who have straight, as when gone astray from their marriage or relationship, who haven't truly sacrificed themselves for their wives, sincerely open, opening themselves to their wives. So this is a mutual deep healings and restoration between husband and wife that God wants to bring about and to make you two one. God will do, uh, will do this work. If there's no trust between husband and wife, if there's, if there's resentment, if one party commits a crime and the other party cannot seem to express the pain and the hurt inside, not only whether my wife is truly faithful, unable to express it through it. Similarly today, sisters, if you feel the kind of pressure, pain, and suppression in your heart, that's almost making you depressed, almost unbearable, and on the verge of collapse. I don't even know if my husband truly loves me, what my husband is doing outside, and whether he cares about me or not. This kind of reason and this kind of a doubt for God. God says that this is called sin. So we need to pray for this matter. We must not underestimate of Numbers chapter 5. We must truly repent before God on this matter and pray before God because we may not be able to use this method today, whatever this counting of resentment, whether to make the woman drink the bitter water under the curse, we can't do that, do this today. But God can do one thing today. He will powerfully work in your relationship between our husband and wife. Then you take the distrust in your life and even a kind, a kind of a resentment, even the hurt that you have suffered over the years, you seem unable to entrust your heart to your spouse again, unable to trust him again. He just seems to be enduring for the sake of this marriage. God today wants to bring a true healing. The living water of God wants to bring healing. We must rely on this water. We must rely. How can we really unite in battle? If we look at our current marital life, our church life, 
are interpersonal relationships, you'll notice a recurring pattern. The cycle of trouble, conflicts, or even pain seems to keep surfacing, resurfacing. Why does it keep competing? Just pray. This is for this is God remind, reminder in reminding of us, hindering what's hindering our progress, what's hindering our unity, and hindering our ability to engage in battle together. When these breaches occurred, you must genuinely pray and earnestly for these matters. So chapter six discuss a vow, known as the vow of Nazarite. Right? Nazarite means to dedicate oneself entirely to the Lord, as discussing the shortcut. In, in chapter 5, in chapter 6, brings forth the peak of it. The requirement of a Nazarites, the requirement of dedication to God, you will find that this is not just the same as the requirement of priest. It's even higher than the requirement, standard than the requirement of a high priest. Aaron and many people love God that we desire, that we desire his holiness, we desire to offer ourselves more deeply with God. So the Nazarites is a call from God to a group of people within the entire camp of Israel. It's not just about reconciliating with others, but about reconciliating with spouses. It's not just about this camp or this team. God is calling for a type of person who touches his heart, who has a deep and intimate relationship with him. So these people are called Nazarites, meaning I want to entirely belong, completely belong to the Lord, such people that God is calling. So in verse 3, it mentions abstaining from wine and strong drinks that you cannot drink wine, such wine vinegar, um, grape juice, or eat even fresh or dried grapes. Since it's all related to grapes, during the entire period of dedications, anything made from grapes, whether or not it's a skin, pulp, or seeds, should, become, should not be consumed. You might say, what is the big deal about not eating grapes? I don't usually drink alcohol, so wine and strong drinks aren't a problem, and I can just uh, abstain from vinegar. All right, you know, I won't drink the grape juice or eat grapes, and I'll drink other fruit juice like orange or apple juice. I don't eat fresh grapes or raisins or dry grapes since I can't have grape vinegar. It's not, it's not difficult, it's manageable. Just stay away from this type of fruit. This is what the third verse, the verse three means. So abstaining from wine, strong drinks, vinegar, grape juice, fresh grapes, and raisins, all these refer to this kind of things. That is what he wants us to do. Stay away from it. In the fifth verse fifth, the in verse five from five to actually to, to verse eight, you must not use a razor to shave your head. You must let your hair grow long and you are to observe in the time of dedicated until the periods of separation that the Lord is over. So you must let your hair grow long and until such time is completed, but not cutting your hair. So what does that signify? It means letting God be your covering, your beauty. Hair symbolizes covering, and long hair also symbolizes beauty in women. So if a man has long hair, it's shameful, and a man consecrates himself as a Nazarite, He's going to cut his hair. What does that mean? It means, Lord, I'm willing to bear all the shame. People may think I'm strange, that I'm overtly obsessed with trusting in you. They may think that I'm going mad. No, I choose Jesus Christ as my covering and as my beauty. I choose Jesus Christ as my guide in everything. 
even if I have to endure persecution, as if others ridiculed me. Lord, I wouldn't care. I only care about you. That's what verse 5 is about. And in verse 6, during the period of dedication, you must not defy yourself by going near a dead body. And verse 7 is in about even if your parents, brothers, and sister die, you must not make yourself ceremonially unclean because of them. So what does that mean? It means transcending even the deepest emotions. God is the deepest passion within me that I have transcended some of the emotional entanglements in my life. And God is not heartless. He doesn't want us to be heartless either. That his desire, that love flows from our lives, but he expects us to love him above, above all so that we can tap into the source of love and then love our brothers and sisters. It is love that isn't based on human nature, not a physical love, but the agape love that comes from God within us. That is the will of God. So don't touch anything unclean. As the time of dedications to the Lord is holy, this is sanctification, living entirely for God without any other purpose. I just want to please God, you could say. And for those seven days for this month and during the transition periods in my job, I graduated. As I transitioned into further studies, and during that time of transition, perhaps I could consecrate myself to the Lord. You can pray to God that for this vow in, in de dedications. But some people say, I want to live like this all my life, living this simple life, you know, purely loving God. I make every effort to place myself before God. I make my God, I make God my fundamentals and highest priority in everything. My emotions, preferences, speech, finances, and even various relationships. That's the vow of dedication. It's the highest call from God before the entire process of consecrating the holy temple begins. Is there anyone willing to live such holy, pure life? No, not just the purity in marital relationship, but just in not just purity in interpersonal relationship and not just purity between you and the groups, but a complete separation from the world, exclusively belonging to me, exclusively dedicating my purity. Is there anyone willing to live this life? So, dear family, you can pray to God. Lord, help me. May I also have this vow of dedication. Initially, I might start with three days or seven days, then a year, and slowly but surely that we can live like this our whole lives, living a simple life, using our money and time as the greatest blessing from God, making it our highest priority. Uh, verse 9 to 12 will say that, when, you know, uh, what if, right, during this process of purification, I suddenly come to contact with a dead body, or suddenly my brothers and sister parents die? What if I touch something that I shouldn't touch? So what do I do? So verse 9 to 12 says that, just start over. It says that God wants those people to make the vow of Nazarite to understand that it isn't just a casual vow. This is how God truly manifests his holiness. God isn't making an unreasonable demand because this is his holiness. So God lives like this too. So God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to sin and have any blemish on us. That he doesn't want the sin to hinder our destiny. He doesn't want sin to affect us when we embark on a, a guilty conscience through the battle. Well, so starting from the verse 9 to 12, 
you see how difficult sanctification is. So we really, really need to Christ. You'll find that living in a, a, a separated life, a life that's set apart to the Lord, is so difficult. You'll realize that without the Lord, we truly cannot live this kind of life. So you have to offer sacrifices again. And you have to offer a ram for a guilt, an offering, then ram for an offering of ordinations, and another ram for a peace offering, and then offer various sacrifices. It's not easy. If you have this mindset of making such a vow, you can pray to God today, Lord, help me. Let me live continuously, continually before you. Let the offering sacrifices become my daily life. And let prayer become my daily life. And let gratitude become my daily life. And let peace, and let me offer peace. That I may have good relationship with others. That I owe nothing to anyone. If I lied, I'll confess immediately. And I, if I can't offend somebody, I will seek reconciliations immediately. My sole purpose is to continually live before you in other sacrifices. Live before God consecrated to the Lord, that you'll find the Christian life exciting when you realize that was you continue continue to walk towards holiness, you'll increasingly understand how urgent God's love is for us and how abominable sin is and how great God's love is for us and to the extent that he needed to die on the cross and bring us into his glorious kingdom. You'll become extremely sensitive to sin and you'll realize that within you is a holy power that can bring about change. So from verse 16 into 20 to 20, and what is said about here is a sin offering is actually before God. It's not a clear sin, but actually touching a dead body or committing a sinful impurity is starting over. The sacrifice offer from verse 16 to 20 is quite special, especially verse 20, right? The sacrifice is to take this as a wave offering. And from wave before the Lord, as for what is waved, and before the rest and thigh are given to the priest as holy items. The Nazarites can drink wine now? Didn't it say earlier that he couldn't drink strong drinks? In how come he says that he can drink in verse 20? So what is this talking about? It's about examining oneself before God, whether there is any hidden sin. Just like David's prayer in Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, that you discern my thoughts from afar, that you research them out my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. When you consistently place yourself in the light of God, and the wine that you drink represents the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit is a continuously supply and continuously nourishing you, and you are completely soaked in the Holy Spirit. What was the strong in the fermented wine mentioned earlier about? It's about my pleasure, my earthly enjoyment. Here, what it says here is after offering of sacrifice, the Nazarites can drink wine. The wine in the Bible actually represents the Holy Spirit. So when you constantly, constantly live in the light of God, there may be weaknesses inside me that I don't know about, don't know about. So Lord, shine your light on me, highlight it to me. Sometimes we offend others without knowing it. Then we may say something that will offend someone without realizing it. Sometimes it might just be 
a glance, an expression, and I didn't notice that anyone or that person felt hurt. I genuinely didn't know it. it is unintentional. But that person is hurt regardless. So God says, even in this relationship, the person has to come before God. Lord, do I have any hidden sin? I offer the sin offering to truly help me in completely holy living before you. You might say, is this being too tedious? Or is this being too lofty? No. Someone like this, someone like this has a mindset that, Lord, I genuinely desire to live out the likeness of God, completely holy without blemish. And just like the lamb that was offered, and just like the turtle dove, I genuinely desire to live in God and to live before people, both pleasing to you and to people. So this is the life of Jesus. God and people delight in his heart, growing together. This is being a complete person before God. This is being a blameless person before God. So from verse 21 to 26 brings great blessings. The Lord instructed Moses to tell Aaron, you may bless the Israelites this way. So 20, verse 24 to 26 are very similar to us. Just after talking about cleanliness and after the chapter 5, he's talking about three cleansings. In chapter 6, talked about the highest cleansing of the Nazarites. Here comes blessings. So the Lord bless you and keep you. Then the Lord will make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. This is his song. This is God's great grace. God is completely with us, living in his light, living in his grace, and living in his peace. So our face to face with God. So don't just take this verse, this song, out alone. Don't just take this verse out alone, that you had to read from the first chapter and all the way to the sixth chapters. Look at the people in numbers according to their families, the sons and who are 20 years old and faithful word, and look at these um, stand in people from God that calls from to replace the firstborn of the Israelites. These people, people are fully mature and are able to serve God in a month. So these are people from 30 to 50 giving their best to the Lord. Uh, they are in the congregation of the Lord and carrying God's witness on them. And before they set out, they have to be clean, cleansed. Cleansed between the team, cleansed between interpersonal relationship, and even cleansing drawn from my entire secular life and completely given to God, delighting God's heart. So the blessings at the end of this, this part of chapter 6, it's a blessing to have face to, to face to face with God in blessing to living living in God's light and living in God's power and living in the protection of God. So today that the entire uh, 20 verses 24 and 26 speak to you. Lord bless me. Lord protect me and shine upon me and be gracious to me and lift up your countenance upon me and give me peace. I want to be pure, holy, and flawless living before you and also before people. Amen.